we've been in the middle of a sermon series entitled, I Love My Church. I love my church. And I guess that's why God has been stirring up in my heart just a love for you, church. I pray that you would have a love for one another as well, because that's important. Last week, we, we started a two-part sermon it's actually going to be three parts. I will preach the third part. I didn't realize I, was, I needed to preach a third part, but God said, you will have a third part. And so you don't argue with him. You just say, yes, sir. And so I will have a third part. Um, but we, the, the, the three-part message is entitled Unstoppable Force. The unstoppable force or an unstoppable force, meaning the church, the church is called to be an unstoppable force. Why? Because of the authority and power that God has given her. If you think about it, God has bequeathed or delegated or given power and authority to his church. What do we mean by that? I mean, in the book of Matthew, it's very clear what Jesus says. Now, I need you to understand a couple of things about Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector and he's very, very technical in his writing. But not only that... He is writing to a Jewish audience. His, and there's a lot of clues that show us that. I don't have time to go through it all, but I want you to know that he talks more about the kingdom of God than anything else because he's trying to get the Jewish people to understand the kingdom of God is not the way they think of a kingdom. They were thinking of an earthly kingdom that, that Jesus came to rule like David ruled, like Solomon ruled, that they would be what? They would throw the yoke of oppression off of them that, that uh, Rome had put on them, that, and before that, that Greece had put on them, and before Greece, that the Medo-Persians had put on them, and before the Medo-Persians, that Babylon had put on them, and they thought that, that the Messiah would come and establish an earthly kingdom. Now, how many of us know that the earthly kingdom is coming? His second coming will include an earthly kingdom. There's a thousand-year millennial reign described in the scriptures that we don't have time to talk about today, but it is coming. But Jesus is saying, first the spiritual must come, then the physical takes place. Can I ask you to make note of that? If you want something to happen in the physical, it needs to take place in the spiritual first. Well, I'll show you more evidence of that, but, but right now let's just take down that little nugget. And so Jesus is talking about a spiritual delegation of authority here in Matthew. Now, Matthew is, talks about the kingdom of God more than any other uh, uh, gospel writer. And this is what he says at the very end of his book. He says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Now notice what he says, all authority in heaven and on earth are mine, and now I commission you in that authority, meaning walk in my authority. Use the delegated authority that I am conveying to you and go and establish what? my kingdom. How do you establish his kingdom? You share the good news. You accomplish what he came to accomplish. Now, have you ever wondered why God includes us? I, I have wondered that, and God gave me a visual picture in my own life using my own son. 
I can remember when Honey was this tall and he, we, I was outside clearing some brush and clearing part of our land and, and I only have an acre so it wasn't that much to clear but for me it, it, it seemed like a lot. It just, it sounded better that way until I started explaining it, didn't it? It's clearing some of our land and, but anyway, um, I'm clearing it, I'm clearing it by hand and so I have the, the grubbing hoe and the ax and I've got the loppers, a chainsaw and, I'm, and then Honey comes out holding his holding the loppers and some little gloves and some boots and and he's all ready to work and he's like daddy I'm ready to work and I look down at him and I'm like oh my workload my day just got a whole lot longer because how many of us know that sometimes when we have to include our kids it takes that much longer but I was so willing to do it because I wanted to be near him and I wanted to teach him some things and ultimately I want my son to know what it's like to be a hard worker I want to teach him some values. Can I tell you that God was showing me, you know what, I could do this work all by myself, but I choose to involve you because I love you, because I want you near me, because I want you to experience this epic work of salvation that I've been unfolding through the ages. I want you to have a part and play in it. And so what a privilege it is that he gives us the opportunity. I think sometimes we think he needs us. Can we just say here to the Lord, Lord, that we realize right here in this moment, you don't need us. You choose to allow us to be a part. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And so Jesus is saying, I convey this authority to to you. What authority are we talking about? We're talking about kingdom authority. Kingdom authority is the divine delegated right and responsibility to act on God's behalf to fulfill his purpose. Now that's a mouthful. What does that mean? It means God gives you authority to establish his kingdom for his purpose. Now his his kingdom has a purpose. All you have to do to figure out the, the, the purpose of the kingdom is to look at the king. Remember, Matthew said the kingdom of God is here. Why was the kingdom of God here? Because the king was here. If the king is here, guess what? The kingdom's here. And so Jesus was on earth. And why did Jesus come? Anyone? Well, he said it this way, to seek and to save. Come on now. I came to seek and to save those who were lost. He came to show us a better way. Now, this is interesting because the Lord, you you need to understand Jesus' message. He shows up and he says, there's two rulers. There's an evil ruler and there's me. I come from the, from, from heaven. I bring life. I am the son of God. And this is what I give you a choice in. You can either choose him or you can choose me, but you can't have it both ways. You can read it for yourself in the, in the sermon on the Mount there in Matthew chapters five, six, and seven. He says, "Um, a man or a woman cannot serve two masters. You either choose me or you choose him. And if you choose him, you will despise me. And if you choose me, you will hate him because we, do, we, are, we are completely opposed to one another. And you cannot be halfway in and halfway out. In the book of Revelations, he, he covers this topic again. And he says, if you are lukewarm, if you are halfway in and halfway out, I'm going to spit you out and make you make a decision. Because you need to be one or the other. How many of you know that God doesn't want to save part of you? Because he needs to save all of you. He needs to wash you completely in the blood of Jesus so that all of you can enter into the kingdom. Because if only part of you, there's no such thing as part of you being saved. 
You're either all saved or not saved at all. That's important for us to understand because Jesus said, now watch this. He said, I come and I bring life. The other ruler brings death and destruction. In John 10, 10, he says, for the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. So that's the message of the gospel, right? And he says this, he says this over and over in his, in his gospels. He says, those that do not have the son are dead already. By default, you are born into the opposing kingdom. That's why I've come to seek, to save, to give you an opportunity to share with you. I love you this much. So I want you to understand this. Because this is the, the, the foundational work for what we're going to cover today. There's two kingdoms. Jesus Christ comes to seek and to save. Then he goes to heaven. And he says, I'm sending you a helper. And that helper gives you power. Read with me what, what Acts says. Now, I just read the Great Commission out of Matthew. Now I'm reading the Great Commission according to Dr. Luke in the book of Acts. This is the Great Commission from a different angle. Matthew highlights the authority. Luke highlights the power. You need both sides of the same coin. But you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem first, then in Judea, then in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Do you see the similarities? All authority in heaven and earth are mine. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. I will be with you always to the ends of the earth. But this is what Matthew is saying. You have authority, but authority without power is useless. Power without authority is rebellion. And so you need both power and authority. It's like the police officer that has the badge and the gun. See, just the badge, you're no more than a, a mall cop. And, and that's not bad, but you just don't have the authority to enforce the law. But if you have a badge and a gun, what if you just have the gun, then you're no different than a vigilante. But if you have the badge and the gun, then you have the authority of the state of Texas, the U.S., the municipality, wherever you're working for, and you have the power to go with it. And that's what God is saying to us Christians. You have the authority to go forth and establish my kingdom to call heaven down, to regulate, to legislate, to advance an agenda, a strategy, to see people saved. You go, oh, pastor, I don't know if I like that anymore. I was thinking you were going to tell me how to get a new Cadillac. I was thinking you were going to tell me how to get a big house. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things shall fall into their place. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the what? The desires of your heart. That means he's going to hook a brother up. Some of us are thinking, man, delight myself in the Lord, and he's going to hook me up. No, 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 no. Listen, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will hook you up with what you should desire. He will give you what your heart ought to desire. 
He will put his desire in your heart and now his desire will be your desire. That's what it means. So, so watch it. I, mean, I feel like preaching. So, so now let's go to Peter's confession. Peter's confession in Matthew 16, verse 15 through 19, Jesus is asking his disciples, I preached on this last week, so I won't re-preach it, but he asks, who do the people say that I am? And then he brought it closer to home. Who do you say that I am? Peter jumped out there and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Dropped the mic and all his boys were like, what? How'd that happen? And Jesus answers how it happened. He says it was by God. <laughs> it was by God's revelation. Then Jesus says, but I have a revelation to add to the Father's revelation because me and the Father are one. So I'm completing what the Father started. Now watch this. He says this. And I also say to you, verse 18, that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Can we highlight a couple of things? Highlight my church. Whose church? Whose church? Jesus' church. Whose church? Jesus' church. Now, watch what he says. I will build my church and the gates of hell or the gates of Hades, the gates of destruction, death, murder. Remember? The The thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And he has a strategy, an agenda, a way that he does that. Now, we'll we'll define gates in a minute, but highlight gates. Shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys. Now, here you have another word you need to highlight, keys, to the kingdom of heaven And whatever, highlight whatever, you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. How many of you have ever been around church long enough to hear Christians throwing around binding and loosing? How many of us, raise your hand high, have you ever heard binding and loosing? And what it... Today we want to talk about binding and loosing because I promised you I would. And I want to share with you when you have Christians saying, I bind this or I loose this or I loose that and I bind that. What they're saying is, I'm taking the authority that Jesus Christ has given me. And I'm standing on the power of his word. Come on. And I'm, and I'm acting. Now, they may not do it right. Because if you look at this, the Bible says specifically that the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. And many of us are thinking right now, whatever I bind on earth, whatever is a big word. Come on, like I could think of a lot that would fit in whatever. So you mean whatever? You really mean whatever? Like whatever, whatever? Some of y'all are perking up right now because I got some stuff that I would put out there if whatever really means whatever. Well, we're going to talk about that because this is the thing. If you look at the church, sometimes we cannot tell if this is true by what we're seeing. But this is what I know. I know that God's word is true regardless of what I see. It is true. So if God's word is true, but I don't see it to be true, then there has to be a disconnection. Maybe the reason why we are not prevailing against the strategies and the legislating of hell and its gates is because we're building 
our church instead of his church. Because Jesus said, my church, the church built on my name, under my authority, by my power, will overcome the enemy and his ploys, strategies, or agendas. It will. So there has to be something taking place. Now let's define a couple more terms. When you bind something, what does that mean? It means to tie up, to restrain, to lock up, to secure, to firmly fasten so that it's not what? Loosed and cause trouble or that you want to secure it and safeguard it. So if you notice, I used words that had a positive connotation and also a negative connotation. Depends on how you're going to do it, what you mean by it. So watch this. If I'm binding the enemy's strategy, then what? I'm causing it to remain ineffective in my life. If I'm binding or locking secure the blessings God has given me because the enemy comes to what? Steal. Then I'm using it in another connotation. Now, what does the word loosing mean? When I loose something, I what? I free it. I open it up, let it breathe. I, I take what was secured or bound and now I remove the restraints. That also has a positive and negative connotation. How do I, what do I mean by that? I loose God's blessings over my life, but I also loose the binds that Satan tries to put on me to keep me from being who God has called me to be. So some of us have some binds that we have been entangled with. The Bible says, cast off that sin that so easily entangles you and keeps you from being who God called you to be. What kind of things? There's all sorts of addictions. There's all sorts of things that the enemy is using and legislating, strategizing, and formally putting forth. You don't think he's organized? Just look at Hollywood. Consider their agenda. Consider what they're putting forth. Watch the VMAs. Watch, watch the Grammys or the Oscars, and you'll see the organization of, of a, of a well-played plan. So let's talk about gates now. What is a gate? Well, if you look throughout Scripture, a gate is a legislative place. A place where decisions are made. When Lot took his place at the city gates in Sodom and Gomorrah, what does that mean? It means he was what? He had a place of prominence and he helped make decisions. So where the decisions of hell to steal, kill, and destroy are coming from, that very place where this is strategized and sent out to get us or to, or to affect us, we can come against it, and that strategy should not prevail against us. But how do we bind and loose what hell is formally doing? This system of death and destruction, what, what the enemy is launching forward, how do we do it? We have keys. Keys grant access or deny access. One of the greatest keys is prayer. Another great key is worship. Worship and prayer are the church's greatest keys. Now let's talk about this in more detail. Some of you are going, man, pastor, you just keep 
peeling back the layer. Absolutely. I want you to understand what we're doing when we're binding and loosing. I want you to understand God's word. If you go two chapters over, we've been reading in chapter 16, verse 18. Now I want you to go to chapter 18, verse 18. Read with me. Jesus covers the very same topic again. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever. Come on, some of you should be happy right now because you've been carrying something. You've been dealing with something. The enemy has been messing with you on something and it falls under that whatever category. It falls under that whatever category and you can bring it to God. Listen to what he says. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Okay, that's exactly what we just read. So let's drop down and read one more verse in the 18th chapter. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, I am there in their midst. See, some folks are getting excited because they're already, they're, they're understanding what Jesus is saying here. They're saying, okay, you mean I have authority and power to bind, to loose, to unlock, to lock up, to, but, but, oh man, I'm ready to go. Hey, before you take off, understand what Jesus says. I'm going to give you a few safeguards here. He doesn't say run into the heavens. I have a teaching on Wednesday night where I talk about there's at least three heavens, if you don't believe me, you can read the, you can listen to the teaching. I have verse after verse that talks about how God is above the heavens. Paul talks about the third heaven. There is a spiritual battle taking place in the heavens. So some of us go into the heavens and we begin to bind and loose in the heavens, but God didn't say bind and loose in the heavens. God said bind and loose on earth where we have authority to establish God's kingdom and he'll take care of the heavens. So before you go pick a fight with a principality, see, everybody has a plan. That great theologian, Mike Tyson, once said, everyone has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. And some of us go praying against things we have no business praying. We get hit in the mouth and we're done. Now I ain't messing with spiritual warfare, I'm done. We forget about authority, we forget about power, we forget about it all, we don't wanna mess with it. Can I tell you, stick with what God is telling you to do. God says on earth, what is the enemy up to here on earth? Where is the enemy messing with you on earth? How is he trying to steal, kill, and destroy from this church? Now this is the key, watch this. Whatever they agree on, agree on. Go to verse 17. So we read 18, 19, and 20. Now we're going above 18 and reading 17. Watch what 17 says. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Can I tell you, Jesus said, I am building my church. So the keys don't belong to you. They belong to who? The church. God is saying, when you come together, I will give my church authority. I will give my church power. I will give them the keys to bind and to loose. But some of us are out there on our own, completely disconnected from the church, and it's completely wrong. 
And you wonder why there's no breakthrough and you wonder why you keep getting overrun and, and you don't seem to make progress. Get in the church. That's God's. Do you know that I'm going to define another church for you? Another church for you, another word for you. The word church in the Greek means ekklesia. And one of the meanings is a legislative body. A body designed to make legislative... In, read with me in, in Ephesians 3, verse 10. It talks about the mystery of the legislative power of the church in the world today. It's a mystery how God uses his church and their prayers to affect the country. And when the church is walking under the authority of Jesus Christ and operating by his power, binding and loosing, then the country begins to prosper. But when she is not, then could you see why Jesus said you are the light of the world? You are the salt of the earth. You determine if, the, if society will begin to decay or not based on how you salt it. Okay. Some of you are going, okay, pastor, so what does this mean? It means very, very clearly, there's some things that need to break loose in your life. You need to be tied to the church. There's some things that you want to see loosed in your life. What do you mean? There's blessings that have been bound up and you feel like I'm right there. I'm right there. I know I can go to the next level, either in my business or in my marriage or in these decisions that I feel like, am I supposed to start my own thing? Am I supposed to do this and that? And I just can't seem to get clarity because the enemy's laughing and saying he doesn't even know his own authority and power. Some of us have been going around the same mountain disbelief and anger and upset and dealing with the same things over and over and over because we don't understand the authority and power that God has given us to bind and to loose, to lock and unlock. But he gives it to the church. He gives it to the church. Now watch this. I'm getting close to wrapping this thing up, but, but watch this. So Jesus is praying for the church in John 17. And this is what he said, I do not pray for these alone, meaning his disciples and those that were, that were followers and a part of the kingdom at the time. He starts to pray into the future, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be what? One. I forgot to highlight that one. Just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. That the, what? That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Drop down to the, to the end of that passage in verse 26, and it says this, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. So he keeps saying that they may be one. What did 
Jesus say the power to this binding and loosing authority and power was? The, the, the key was what? Agreement. How did two walk in agreement? How did two walk together unless they agree, Jesus says, meaning there has to be unity. Jesus is talking about unity. Now, unity is different from uniformity. Uniformity means we all look and act exactly the same. Jesus is not interested in that, and neither is his Holy Spirit. What the Bible's talking about is, is a union or harmony of the group of people. Harmony means we each play our own note, but when they come together, it's a beautiful chord or melody. God talks about this. The Holy Spirit comes into each and every one of us, and he gives us special gifts that we might help and serve one another. And my gift is not your gift, and your gift is not my gift, but together we build the kingdom, advance his purpose, and we use the responsibility and delegated authority, power, to advance the kingdom of God. To advance the kingdom of God. Okay. So, now I don't know if you caught this, that we may be one. This is what Jesus said. Father, I and you and I are one. Now I want them and me to be one. And this is what Jesus said. The Father sent me and I do his perfect will because he and I are one. Now I'm sending the Holy Spirit that will live inside of you. And that's how you and I are going to be one. And me and the Father are one. Therefore, all three of us are one. That's what he's talking about here. So who brings the unity? Well, the Bible says openly in Ephesians 4 that the spirit of unity is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of unity. And when we are not walking in unity, then we're not walking under the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're operating under our own spirit. I'll talk more about this in the part three. But right now, I want us to understand how powerful unity is. I'm going to show you a little video. Show you and highlight how powerful unity is. It's just a small little, little video, but it's effective to remind us that when we work together, we can accomplish a whole lot more. Well, this is what the Bible's telling us. 
that in unity we have the keys. The keys to access heaven's authority here on this earth and bring down its power to accomplish the good work that God has put us to do. So that the gates, the strategy of the enemy, and what he's legislating on the evil side does not overcome us while we're trying to bring down heaven and establish God's rule here on this earth. That's what the Bible is talking about here, guys. There's things in our lives that we need to see broken, broken off. There's things in our lives that we need to get past, but we need to operate in unity. Now, there's another thing that attacks our unity, and that's comparison and competition. Now, many times, now I need you to understand that in chapter 18, Jesus is, is addressing unity. Did you know that? This is how chapter 18 unfolds. Now, we've been at, in the middle of 18, but if you back up some, Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Good question. I've heard I have to forgive him seven times. How many of you know Peter already had someone in mind? Just, just be honest. You don't ask a question like that unless you have somebody in mind and all you need is permission to lay them out or sue them or whatever. I don't know what Peter had in mind, but Peter was, you know, he's the guy that, that showed up when Jesus said, let's go pray. He showed up packing, you know, he brought his sword ready to fight. So you, you got to wonder what Peter meant. And Jesus says, no, no, not seven times, 70 times 70. Peter goes, oh my goodness, increase our faith. So he said, increase our faith, Lord. And then Jesus starts to talk about offenses. And he says, I want you to deal with your offenses because you're going to offend one another and you're going to get crossed with one another. And one of the things that crosses us the most is competition. Watch this next video. Envy, comparison. Hey guys, I got you each a gift. No way, Jesus, why? Awesome. Well, I just love you guys, so I wanted to get you something. <laughs> so nice. Laura, you first. Oh, this is so exciting. Oh, will you look at this, a little eight ounce can of Coke? This is perfect for me. I looked everywhere to find a gift for you, and this just seemed to fit. I love it. Drew, yeah, your turn. All right. <laughs> no way, Jesus, seriously? Oh, yeah. 20 ounces of Coke? Yeah, baby. Woo! This is awesome. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much. You're welcome. Laura, we gotta go show Richard our gifts. Come on. Okay. Hey, Laura, is there a problem? No. I mean, well, yeah, kind of, you know? It's just that every time you give people gifts, you always give everyone else more than you give me. What do you mean? I mean, like, I open my gift and, oh, cute, eight ounces, and then Drew opens his gift and, hello, 20 ounces. Oh, I know what you mean. Well, that gift is for Drew. Well, that's what I want. Uh, go get it for me. Okay, if that's what you want. I got a liter! I know, it's one liter of God's sweet goodness! Jesus gave it to me. He did? Yes! Okay, you know what? You're gonna meet somebody with a bigger bottle and you are gonna be so mad! Laura, check it out! I got an upgrade! Coke 3.0! That is awesome! I know! Well, isn't that just great? Yeah! Hey, Jesus, you rock! Yeah. Thanks, what Drew! What is wrong with you? Why are you holding back your best from me? I gave you my best. Don't you see what's happening here? You're letting everyone else's gifts steal your joy. No, Jesus, you are stealing my joy by giving everyone else more than you give me. Laura, I picked this gift out for you. That's what I wanted you to see. I don't care. Until you can look past this, all you're going to see 
is a can of Coke. Wow. Come on, how many of us know that comparison, competition, jealousy, envy, it robs us of our strength because the joy of the Lord is our strength because it robs us of our joy. And, and not only that, but it will affect our authority and our power because it's in the unity, in the agreement, two or three coming together. Now, there's something to this two or three, guys. This, Jesus didn't just throw out two or three because he thought, well, that's a good number. This is found throughout the Bible. Turn in your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 19, you see, one witness shall not rise up against a man concerning an iniquity or any sin that he commits by the mouth of how many? Two or three witnesses he will be condemned. Meaning there has to be agreement that he did something. You see the same thing covered in the next verse. So when Jesus says, when two or three get together in agreement by the church, in my name, it shall be done for them. That means they have the authority and the power to lock, to unlock, to bind, to loose. Whatever is needed, it's already done in heaven. Let me give you one more illustration and then we'll be done here. This is what happens. In the Old Testament, there's a battle between God's people and their enemy. Moses is leading God's people, and he has his staff, and he's, he's standing on a high place overlooking the battle. So imagine the battle is happening down there, and Moses is up here, and God has him raise his staff up. What does the staff represent? It represents Moses' authority. Moses has authority to operate on God's behalf. You have authority to operate on God's behalf. Now watch this. When Moses has his staff up high, the children of Israel down low are winning. See, you want to win down low, you need to pray up high. I'm going to say that again. You want to win down low, you need to access heaven. But the way you access heaven is you bind and loose. You agree. You use your keys, your spiritual keys of prayer, worship, and you begin to do battle and ask God to intervene from on high. Because Jesus says, whatever, anything they ask for, it shall be done by my Father in heaven. You bind it on earth, but in heaven is where God binds it and it's done. So watch this, Moses' arms begin to get tired and two men have to come along, three, three, agreeing, holding his arms up and they win the battle. What I'm trying to show you is over and over in God's word, God is emphasizing you want to win on earth, you want your marriage to succeed, quit doing it just by yourself at home. You want your children to prevail and to release godly blessings in their life? Quit doing it just by yourself at home. God never meant us to do this by ourselves. This is a community. If you read in the book of Acts, the power came when they became one and had things in common and did things in community. They prayed together for one another and they began to overcome the enemy. 
It happens when God's people come together and begin to loose his blessings and loose each other from the binds of Satan. When they begin to bind Satan's ploys against their family and lock up and safeguard the blessings God has given them already so that they cannot be stolen. We need to do this together. So I'm going to ask our prayer partners and our worship team to come up. And then I'm going to challenge you with all my heart. May you have the courage right here in this moment to look over your life and to say, what is it that I need loosed? What is it that I need bound? I'm going to ask you to use the the spiritual key of prayer to unlock or lock what needs to be locked, to do it in agreement under the divine authority and power of this church. Who do you need to pray for? What do you need to pray for? I want you to just take inventory over your life. Say, God, your spirit is here. And and I want to take this up there to you, Lord. And I want to believe in faith. In your name, it shall be done. Now, I want you to know something, guys. I've been moving our church to a more spiritual, more spiritual place. I've been purposefully teaching on prayer and, and on worship and on God's word. God's word's another powerful key. And the more I teach on it, the more attacked I get. I mean, there has been, I don't know in the, in the 19, 18 years that I've been pastoring that I have felt more spiritual opposition. No, it's been revealed to me that there have been, no, it has, it's been revealed to me that there are, um, I don't know what you call them, other than witches coming against our church. Didn't think too much of it. I'm praying and, and uh, tearing it down. But then you also see just in a, we're, we're doing more encounters. Encounters are when God's church comes together on a Wednesday night and we dedicate the entire night to prayer. Uh, those who want to fast can fast prior to the encounter and, and to worship. And I have never felt more opposition and Melissa and I have never argued more and just nothing going right and things happening in our building and, and, and just all over the place. And I've just been praying and the more I pray and the more I pray, the, the, the more intense it becomes and I felt something sharing, not something, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, you need to ask the church to pray for you. And I said, I don't want to bring my problems. I don't want to bring my stuff. I'm, I'm their leader, Lord. I, I'm just going to. And, and he says, you need to ask the church to pray for your wife, for your children. So I'm going to ask my children and my wife to come up here. And I just want you to pray for us. I'm, I'm going to lead the prayer, but I, I want you to pray with me in agreement. And this is what we're going to pray. We're going to pray no weapon formed against our church and this family can prosper. Greater is he the Holy Spirit that's within us than he who is in the world.
I'm going to pray that the attacks and any ploys of the enemy be bound up and that God's blessing be loosed. The blessing that God already has given us, that that be locked safely. Father, in the name of Jesus, it's my great privilege and honor to pray with my awesome brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we are a family made possible by the name and the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I just lift up my family to you and I ask in agreement that no weapon formed against them can prosper. Any discouragement, any negative thoughts that the enemy is trying to put there, any, any attack, Lord, would be just undone, completely canceled out, void. And if there's any human agent responsible, Lord, I pray, God, that you humble them to the point they have one or two choices. They either deal with your consequences or turn to you as Savior. And then, God, I ask, Lord, that you would release your blessing of joy and goodness and peace and, and safety and tranquility and confidence in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray as your people. Amen. I love you, church. I love you. Would you stand? The altar is open. Come and pray. Come and pray.